guys, it's Anzi. And it's Ben. We are on this thing called season two of the AB side. So this thing's gone long enough that we've had more than one season. Oh my goodness. We had a mini break. We needed a break. Yeah. But we're back. And we're in this back. season, you guys as listeners have quite the treat lined up. But first yeah. off, do you have any feedback from season one, Ben? Oh, Auntie, season one was so long ago. <laughs> Let's be honest, you're the one with the feedback. I had a lot of feedback from the Love Language season, the, the, the mini-series. Um, I ha- I got into a bit of a pickle with the re-gifting thing, in oh, the yeah. gifting episode. Uh, I got caught out. Um, one of the listeners uh, actually asked me, Auntie, did you re-gift... Um, that thing I gave you and I shared about it on the show but um it I could have denied it but I didn't I think fundamentally my sharing I've learned that I've got to be careful with what I share on the show unfortunately don't know who's listening but actually it it opened a, a great conversation and now we're really good friends and and I think we'll be like oh remember that time when you regifted that you know that box of chocolates <laughs> things like yeah. that but it, it's been it's been really good actually season one i learned a lot about you ben i learned a lot about my listeners um and who listens um what, what have you learned from season one ben oh i learned a lot about me as well as you oh yeah did you, did you not learn anything about yourself i learned a lot about myself and i learned a okay, lot about good. well i think it definitely pushes us to continue dialoguing um about these topics but it it we're always learning i think that's what it is that's what i'm reminded of how we're not as intelligent as we make out to be um and i think it's quite humbling to know that we're all we all want to learn and grow and continue dialoguing and challenging each other as well as ourselves and our thinking yeah and on that um We've been thinking and we were wondering if you listeners are getting bored of just only listening to A and B side. Because <laughs> uh, I am. I'm really right, bored. Yeah. yeah. So and we, we're, let's be honest, we're running out of topics to talk about. So um, this this season, we, we're going to do something different. Each week, we're going to have some guests on um, who may or may not be qualified to talk uh, about <laughs> about the topic. But um well, yeah, we're changing the format a little bit so that so that we have more of a roundtable discussion. Mm. So, yeah, stay tuned for more. Cue the jingle, Ben. We're yeah. still keeping that, right? Yeah. Pew, 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 pew. Oh, jingle, jingle. Gosh. So today we're talking about femininity. Um, we thought we would talk about this loaded one. I think we, me and Ben wanted to talk about this in season one, but I think it was too too much too soon. Yeah, well, I mean, the problem is 50% of, of the presenters are not female. <laughs> Stats. Yeah, so... But what greater way than to invite guests onto our shows that are female? As you can see from the title, Ladies First, it's an interesting one because I was umming and ahhing about whether or not to have the men record first or the women first. If I asked the men to record first, that would imply, oh, men should lead. But actually, 
maybe it should be ladies first because that's the phrase. But then I thought, oh no, that's like, is that not promoting chivalry? And then I thought, oh my gosh, I'm just going off on one now. So to cut the long story short, um, I think, yeah, whatever. I just thought, let's just do females first and see where we go. Okay. I have a, a million and one things I want to say to you, but we can't do that because to me, no, don't, of the show is here. don't just talk about me. We've got two guest speakers here uh, that we've wonderfully invited. Um, I'd like to introduce you to Anna, my good friend, Anna. Hello. Hi, Anna. How are you doing? Very well, thanks. Would you like to l- explain to the audience, who are you and what do you do? If you want to let that define you. I don't know. Do you want to let that define you? It's difficult to find introduction questions, isn't it? I know, it um, is. So give, to give people a picture of who I am, um, I was at BCEC for uh, about a year. Um, moved back south during lockdown. I'm in my late 20s. I'm a girl. Um, and I work at the Office for National Statistics, which I've just about managed to learn how to say. It's quite a mouthful. Office of what? National Statistics. Is that not just ONS? Yeah. <laughs> but you've learned that you can't assume that people know acronyms because the civil service is full of acronyms. Oh. As anyone who works there will, will tell you. It's bewildering. <laughs> Thank you, Very Anna. cool. Sorry. Carry on, Auntie. Ladies first. Oh! Thank you, Anna, for that, um, from BBC to ONS. Next up, we have another guest, um, my good friend, Gabby. Hello. Hi, Gabby. Hello. How are you? And please explain to the audience who you are. (laughs) I'm doing really well. I'm quite tired. We're we're recording late in the evening, near my bedtime. Um, But I grew up in BCC, so grew up, yeah, until I went to uni. And then I've never been back since. Um, but I live in London now. I also kind of work in statistics like Anna. Um, I'm an actuary. And um, I thought I'd throw in a fun fact, which is that I love cold water swimming and that the temperature in the pond today is eight degrees Celsius. Wow, that is really cold. It is. Yeah, it is cold. It is. But it's great. You get all these this endorphin hit afterwards. I'll take your word for it. Wow. You swam in a pond today? Yes, I did. Wow. I did indeed. That's very cool. All right. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> Appreciated. Yeah, I didn't even know what I was doing. <laughs> cool. Okay. So, guys, we I said guys. That's, that's probably my first error um, in this show. See, I don't find that offensive, but we'll get on to this. <laughs> Yes, ladies, maybe that's even even more offensive, I don't know, or patronising. Um, let's start with this question. How girly are you? Who are you asking, Ben? Oh, yeah, we have to, I have to nominate someone. There's more people I... to involve now. It's kind of like yeah, a yeah, Zoom yeah, call yeah. where you have to actually tag someone because yeah. otherwise it's just a silent room. Okay, Gabby, how girly are you? Oh, so probably as you've guessed from the pond swimming, I would say not very... um I think most of my nearest and dearest would say that as well as well as some of my not nearest and dearest I think they'd say I'm like quite yeah I don't really care about lots of things we'd typically associate with being girly I don't wear makeup I guess most men don't wear makeup either like I say most um 
I don't shave my legs, my arms, my armpits, um, any other regions, my face. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess so. Like the superficial things, and yeah, I think that would be that would be my answer. Interested to hear from Anna. Yeah, um, this is a really interesting question, isn't it? Because it's like, what does girly mean? First off, I guess like, you associate it with all the frills and bows and pink stuff, I guess. Um, so taking from stereotypical girl things, we'll start with what, what Gabby mentioned. So I'm, so I'm a, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll quite happily um, not wear makeup, but I quite like wearing it too. Same with dresses, same with dressing up. Um, yeah, we'll happily shave, we'll happily... Um, do all those kind of more, uh, should we say, stereotypically feminine things, quite enjoy them. But at the same time, at the weekend, I will very happily, you know, learn how to chop wood with my dad using an axe and um, do wow. that kind of really fun DIY. And there's never a question of you can't do anything until you physically can't lift something. But that's just, it's just quite a lot of fun. So I think there are moments where my mum's like, you're sure you don't want to go shopping I'm like shopping Ugh, can't be bothered <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm a mix and I guess on the flip side I think I also can be really emotional and oh like, is that girly well there you go I guess we need to get into it but I'm just thinking of like what stereotypes I would associate with it and you know I I really don't enjoy spending time with like really young children or babies but I feel like I can be like maternal to people who are like younger than me um I love talking about periods I think that's like one of the most important things <laughs> in the world Amzie knows me this. too I think so too <laughs> I agree um and like when when I yeah when I'm thinking about this this makes me think of have you seen the always campaign the like mm, a girl yeah. campaign those videos and that's really interesting because they ask some women girls boys men like why don't you run like a girl and throw like a girl and do different things like a girl and they do it in a way which seems to embody like weakness mm. um and then they're like question like why did you do that and what do you think it actually means and everyone pauses and thinks actually I think it means to just be myself and to like do the best I can so that's like a different take as well like if we are if we're girls, if we're women, then being girly or womanly is is being us. Hmm. That's nice and solid there. Okay. Ansi, are you girly? I don't know. Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. I think it depends on where I am in the menstrual cycle. <laughs> oh, are we talking about that? That's not in the notes, ladies. But it's true, though. <laughs> it is true, because there will be moments where you will be super confident, and that's usually when you know, it's it's after you finish your period and you have like this burst of energy and you're on top of the world and nothing can stop you. And then you have those moments where, you know, maybe you're ovulating and you're like, I'm producing babies inside me. Well, not babies, but I'm releasing an egg right now. And yeah, anyway. <laughs> and then, then you have, you know, the mood swings where you're super emotional. Um, and then you have the winter part of your cycle where you are on your period and that's where there's a term called nesting um where you actually just take care of yourself and you just mope literally in your I don't know pajamas or whatever 
Um, because it's winter. But I think in terms of the question, how girly are you? I really don't like this question because you this is your question. question. <laughs> it was actually your question. I know, I know, I know, but I think that it's it has to be asked, doesn't it? Because I think generally people will have a stereotype as to how a girl operates. Um and I don't think I'm as girly as a lot of my female friends, but I know that when I'm spending time with my female friends, I will dress up maybe a bit more or I will be more girly towards them. But when it comes to spending time with my colleagues or my guy friends, I won't be as girly at that point. Possibly. I don't know, actually. Uh, guy friends, please uh, let me know if I'm girly or not. Thanks. <laughs> But isn't that defining yourself by the male gaze? You should ask your women friends as well. Are we going to go there, Gabby? Are we going to go there? Later. Later. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I don't think I'm that girly. Uh, yeah, you are. Your wife says you are. I gave her oh, once, yeah. okay, um, some masks from Hong Kong, some black hmm. nose strips, okay, the charcoal ones that you would put on your nose and you'd peel okay, off. Yeah, yeah. And apparently you use them and you have more bubble baths than her. Fact. Okay. Well, um, yeah. 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 Sorry, I'm like outing no you. Those nose strips are great. Um, do you know why? Because as a man, I have really big pores and they get full of dirt, and it's nice to to clear them out. I don't have more bubble baths. I have more baths. I don't put bubbles in the bath very often because I'm a man. I don't need bubbles. I just pour beer in it. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't. It'd be a waste of beer. <laughs> You could just put, get a long straw and it's fine. Um, Ew. <laughs> it's disgusting. And so uh, there's loads too many things that I want to ask about. Um, but, Ansi, you talked about chivalry right at the start. Mm. And, like, it, it sounded like you were implying that chivalry is, uh, like, a negative thing. I don't know. What do you think? Do you know anyone that is quite chivalrous? Girls. Mm, I do. So I work in the city of London and with like the insurance market and that's very old school. So you get men who like all ages, like very prevalent with the older men who I guess there's a different like time and culture. Maybe they're more like baby boomers or that that era. Um, so they would all like hold open doors. I'd always be the first one to get out of the lift. So it can be really awkward sometimes. I'm right at the back, um, but I need to get off first and they're all waiting for me to get off. And I'm like, oh, excuse me, sorry, sorry. Um, and like lots of the younger men are like that too. So I think I see that behavior uh, quite a lot or I used to before lockdown. Um, so it feels... It can feel really jarring to begin with and then kind of get used to it. You said jarring. I mean, do, do you like that? Um, depends what day you ask me. So I think, <laughs> I think there was a time when, like, especially at the beginning, I thought, this is so old-fashioned, very unmodern, what is happening with everyone, so patriarchal, like, what's going on? Um, but then you also remember that it's, you know, for some of these men, and I don't know a lot of them, but for the ones I do know, it's a way of showing care and respect. Um, and I'd question, you know, why wouldn't you show care and respect to other men? Or why would that be different? How you exhibited that care would be different towards women and towards men. Um, but it's, it, 
it can come from a good place. It can come from a place of wanting to like show honor. Mm, I've seen that. Yeah. If you've um, spent time with American guys from the South, especially, um, I didn't notice this until my American friends explained it to me. Like they take off their hats. They stand up when a, a girl walks into the room. Um, th- th- like I've never, I've never experienced that coming from the UK, but I think the UK version is, is a somewhat different. It's more subtle, obviously, you know, the holding of doors and like even I had, there were some guy friends of mine, they would run across the car just to open the door for me. Yeah. Like that, I'd never experienced that, but it felt kind of nice. But at the same time, it felt like, am I incapable of opening this car door by myself? So I don't know. It's a bit, it's a bit of a two-sided coin. Like I don't, I don't know how I feel about it still. <laughs> I, I haven't really had this in my life. I think maybe because I've been in journalism and it's more like, go, 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 you know, like just <laughs> run through the door yourself and I'll run this way and we'll both get it done together. You know, there, mm-hmm. there wasn't any time for that. Um, and I think also I ha- maybe, maybe with like the door opening and stuff like that, you get it more when you're actually all dressed up and going to a ball and people suddenly drop into that more I don't know maybe this is the the reasoning behind the city people drop into a more um shall we say traditional mode Mm, maybe it's just culture yeah yeah so I I feel like whenever I hold the door open for someone I don't really notice if it's a man or a woman yes but sometimes sometimes if it's a woman I'll notice like in the middle of the process and then I'll be like thinking oh I, I didn't I'm not doing this because you're a woman I'm just trying to be polite to everyone and it and then I'm like oh no is she judging me because I'm like you can't open a door by yourself like just I just get in my own head oh that's that's complicated See, I don't I don't like that it gets really complicated I'm thinking I'm a bit like you I don't I wouldn't I probably people have held the door for me but I won't have noticed that they're a guy um I won't have read it through that lens at all Mm. I think there are some situations where I've just remembered like when me and my now husband were dating we had a conversation right from the off about like how would we pay for things and how would we pay for dinner and oh yeah because I think that happens quite a lot like if you went some guys would expect to pay but then someone or some women would be like offended if they weren't offered like a free meal or something I'm very happy to pay. Same. Or split. Yeah. Splitting is polite, isn't it? Yeah. But speaking of which, okay, should we should we go on to the next topic, Gabby? Mm-hmm. You mentioned your now husband. So I heard through the grapevine. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mean my brother? <laughs> no, actually. I tried to I tried to press him for more information, but he He gave knows me nothing. nothing. He's innocent. He gave me nothing. It was actually from our lovely friend Jessie, because um, uh-huh. me and her always talk about female stuff, and um, and she she said it was really interesting. Um, your your wedding and what exactly happened? Like in terms of, did you follow traditions or? Uh, some of them, yeah. Some of them we did, and some of them we didn't. Um, I guess our philosophy was we intend to lead life intentionally and this is a good place or event or way to start doing that together and to 
Yeah, I guess you have so few weddings. You, you hopefully just have one wedding in your life. So you get like one do of it and you've seen like friends do it. Your parents have their theirs and they've got like their own baggage about it. So I think progress is slower in in wedding like tradition or culture than it is in other things, say. But we made, yeah, we made some like deliberate choices. So we walked down the aisle together. Uh, we walked down the aisle. You you didn't have your father walk you down the aisle and give you away? No, no. I gave him the option. So I asked both my parents if either of them would want to walk me down the aisle or if they'd both like to walk me down the aisle. And they basically both said, "We like, do whatever you want. We're not fussed. We just want... We just want to like be there and to enjoy it and for you to be really relaxed and happy. Um, and I didn't want, I guess because some of my friends, like half of the people there weren't Christians, for example. Um, I didn't want them to think like she's being given away or she's she's just doing this because it's like the religion. Mm. Um, and, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing in the bible huh that says you know you must walk down the aisle with your father and be given away etc etc um it also felt to us um our yeah our parents were amazing with our wedding but we actually did a lot of it ourselves and i guess both ed and i have been working for six five six years and you know we could we're like financially stable all these kind of things it felt funny and living apart from our parents for years and years so it felt like a funny thing to then say, can you give me away to somebody else? And we're already independent mm. and living apart. But we actually walked down the aisle to our parents. So our parents, like four parents were at the end. Um, and we like symbolically like embraced them and embraced the other set of like the in-law parents um, before we like stood at the altar together. Yeah, so I think that was that. Um, we both gave speeches. Neither of us wore makeup. <laughs> um, and we both changed our surname. Um, so my my maiden name is Chan and his Stroud. So we changed it to Chan Stroud. Debated about Stroud Chan, but we thought it didn't roll off the tongue as well. <laughs> oh, so um, he, he also has that same surname. Yeah, we both changed our surnames. And it it's basically because we wanted to show... We wanted to have the same surname. And we wanted to show that we are creating a family together, that we are a new family, separate and distinct to the Chans and to the Strouds, like both of whom we love dearly and we are close to, but we are still doing something different. I've never heard of this before. Really? This is really interesting. Yeah. A couple of our friends have done it. As as couples or their children? No, as married couples. I've heard it for children, but based on their parents weren't married. So um, obviously the children belong, you know, they're their offspring. And so that therefore they would combine both surnames mm. to become a double barrel surname. That's really interesting. I'm I'm much more traditionally minded. I do like the element of you... You embracing the other set of parents. I think that's there's something really lovely in that. Um, they kind of because you are joining two families, and mm. that seems to come through very strongly, even in the surname choice. Yeah, that sounds really. Um, it's it's definitely very different. Um, but I just thought, wow, when I heard that, I was just like, I want to want to hear more f from Gabby about this. You no, know? 
because this is such a unique thing. But um, but yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, it's cool. It kind of sounds like actually the the driving force is not about um, because you know like just just those statements by themselves you could be like whoa what's going on with this like crazy feminism like if you wanted to read it that way (laughs) but actually hearing you explain it it's it's more about like well we don't have to follow traditions just for the sake of following them right Mm. and if there's a better way to do stuff then let's let's try and do it Mm. and we're not trying to prescribe anything for anyone else um and we like run ideas past like some of um some like pastors we we got a past oh yeah we got a pastor couple couple to marry us as well so not just one person officiating and you know getting us to repeat our vows etc after them but uh, a couple who are both like in ministry and we thought that was like very important as well but we ran everything they're you know they're very they're much older more traditional and we ran all our ideas past them before we actually implemented them um like we did different vows as well we tried we like altered our vows and and did that and they were like very they questioned everything and tried to make sure we were thinking them through and that it was still full of god um Mm. but i think apart from that was their main measuring stick it was like is this yeah is this good is this full of god does this embody Mm. what we believe and what we think you believe marriage to be and if so, then yeah, hell, go for it. Wow. Because I guess traditionally, at a traditional wedding setting, it's all very patriarchal, isn't it? It's, you know, the father gives away the bride. There's all this um, symbolism, tradition. and Like with the veil, for example. Yeah, the veil. Even, uh-huh. even certain cultures with, you know, the garter. <laughs> like all of that flowers yeah all the speeches speeches traditionally by like the father of the bride like mm. the groom and the, the husband and i like, know female voices there oh i i think i would i would probably quite like to have a, a speech at my wedding god willing if i get married um but i i quite like the patriarchy i'm on the other end of the scale to you gabby this is gonna be really interesting mm. um and this is why we got picked for this podcast yay <laughs> because i think i think for you i can i can it's really interesting to hear because I can understand, particularly you know, if you're moved out, that it would have felt quite odd being given away by by a parent. Um, I guess for me, I'm I'm very close to my dad. I feel very much because my my parents also Christians, fortunately, um, that I'm under their kind of spiritual covering. Mm. And so when I get married, there is a transition where I move from one family unit into another family unit. And yes, I am still part of my family. Yes, we will still be close. You know, hopefully. Um, but you are, I am moving in terms of the immediate spiritual authority, and I think we'll come on to this, and I would subscribe to that view. So for me, I, I need the handover. I need the moment where my dad hands me over to someone else, and I need to feel confident that this is a person that I'm okay being handed to. That's why mm. it's such a colossal decision, because um, I guess I feel so so empowered as a woman by, by my dad. It's been a real positive um, mm. relationship um you know sort of talked earlier about chopping things up with an axe and so on you know it's not <laughs> I haven't I haven't been sort of that I haven't been made to feel at any point that I can't do anything because I'm a woman and so because I've been raised in that kind of view I've always found it to be a really reassuring place to be and um 
yeah just really really exciting to be like oh I'm 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 part of this family I'm your daughter and so mm. when I get it's going to be very emotional and you know if if god forbid you know I lose my dad before that day or you know I you'd I would find that very difficult and I'd probably ask my mum to to step in and do that mm. on the family's behalf because I would I would need to emotionally do that and it would be representative of what's going on in my head. And for you, obviously that wasn't that wasn't at all the case, but for me the, the existing structure would, would really help me and mm. would, would fit very well. I think I would actually say that is exactly the case for both me and for my husband. The problem was more that we both felt that way. And so why would only I be allowed that transition and that symbolic transition within the wedding service? And he would not. And maybe it goes back to what you were alluding to with the spiritual authority. But we both felt like, and and it was a very emotional time. So we were only engaged for four months. So there was a lot of emotional processing very quickly for both of our families um Mm. and so you know you could really see everyone wrestling with the idea of oh like you're my sister you're my daughter you're my brother you're my son but now you're going to also be a husband wife and you're going to be one flesh it's there's going to be something new big important emotional like happening um so I think yeah so I think what we came to with the yeah with the kind of exchange of families um at the front of the church that was the way we wanted to represent that and to bring our families into that moment and for them to be we also asked our parents to do other prayers of blessing um at the end of the service so there was a sense of them welcoming us in as their children we did the vows got married then they kind of blessed us and let us go yeah that i think i think I can see both sides very clearly. Like clearly Gabby's um, wedding was very well thought out. And um, as they were both, yeah, you both were discussing and planning the wedding. You were both on the same page and in agreement. And that sounds really good. But at the same time, I also understand Anna's um, very traditional um, setup, which is what a lot of people hold fast to. But um, but no, I think I think it's, Wow, this is such a good conversation to have. I know. <laughs> so, Anna, you mentioned the spiritual covering. Um, yeah. So your dad having that spiritual protection over you. I wouldn't say it's protection. I think it is more uh, an authority. Okay. Um, so, is that important? Um, I think I very much feel like that there is something in the theology of. Um, the family unit being part of a spiritual hierarchy as well as like say if you look at marriage and it says uh, you know um, wives honor your husbands husbands love your wives and then it talks about children and parents you know they aren't they aren't split up from each other in the bible Hmm. there's an acknowledgement that these are different setups in which there is a hierarchy Um, if I can put it that way Gabby you could disagree later Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> please do it would be really instructive um because I'm not married so you know it's easy for me to say um but um uh, I think when it says you know children honor your parents that you might live a long time in the land like there, there is this is a particular relationship that's very much honored by God it's very important to him um and he doesn't specify whether or not your your parents are 
a good parents or not in terms of if you should honor them that's important in the first instance so that's outside the spiritual bracket but I'm very fortunate in that my, my parents are strong believers and um, I think there are people also in the church that function as spiritual parents as well so mm. um, in terms of the people you you give spiritual authority in your life um, they are important um, and you allow those people to speak into you and they're the ones that turn around and go hey oi sort that issue out and you go, mm. oops. Um, and ev- everyone needs that kind of discipleship aspect. And I think discipleship, at, you know, ideally also happens within the family unit. And so I put them, all the ideas of spiritual authority and discipleship, et cetera, all f- sit together for me. Um, and, you know, if if you're fortunate that your parents know, know God, then you, you have the, the ability to have a measure of that in, within your house. Um, or even if you're living apart. But I think even when I moved out, I still felt like I was very much under their authority. Mm. And this has changed also. Now we're friends and not it's not parent-child. Um, we're very much friends and it's adult-adult. But there's still that element of, you know, these are the people who speak quite a lot into my life. So, yeah, there's, it, it's not very distinct. Sorry, Ansi, that wasn't a very simple answer. But those are all the different flavours that are going in there. I have a question. Yes. Okay. Um, do you have any brothers? Yes. And then do you think, if do you think as, if you were speaking as your brother, you could say basically the exact same things you've just said? Yes. But I do think there is something about the firstborn. I think that there is an, you know, there, there's still an element of that in a family because I think I've got big family and, you know, older sibling looks after a younger sibling, has an extra mm. measure of responsibility and, you know, probably gets extra difficulties with it, but done right then also supports everyone else. Um, but it's a difficult place to be. So I think the person at the top of the hierarchy doesn't have the easy ride. It's like the swan at the front or the goose at the front of the geese flying in formation has to do everything and everyone else is <laughs> more the slipstream, you know. But they take turns. They do take turns. <laughs> That's another fun fact. I love birds. <laughs> so I throw that metaphor in there so you can have some fun. Who are you calling a bird? Um, ben, <laughs> ben, can you speak up, please? What, do you have anything to ask? Um, no, I don't have anything to ask. It's really just really good to listen to. I and know. Then... I feel like these two could just run the show by themselves. Me and you, Ben, yeah. could just like take a break, have a Kit yeah. Kat or two. Other chocolate bars are available. Yeah. And so, it, it, again, I think um, what you're saying, Anna, was, is, is really uh, great to, to listen to and to think about. But actually, does, does any of that um, come down to being a woman or mm. is it all i guess that's kind of what gabriel was asking like um or is it uh, is it actually just about like so we we have this idea of we should be respecting our our parents and we should be honoring our parents i guess yeah i guess this is leading into the place that we kind of have been hinting at which is like what do you think the bible says about men and women about gender roles like we were um we're going through this series at bcc on one peter and um there's this verse in in uh in one peter three that says 
um, that women are the the weaker vessel, or um, in the NIV it says uh, the weaker partner. So, like, w- what's going on with that? Well, Ben, I guess you'd be better placed to tell me like what is First Peter about? Because it's like easy to pick out just one verse or one section. Because I think it's just a sh- very short section. And in... <laughs> yeah, where's my Bible? Okay, yeah, all right. I was taught in BCC. Thank you, Bert. Context. Context. Yes, I always talk about that. There's lots of like, you know, there's lots of um, verse one says likewise. And then my Bible actually doesn't have verses, so I can't tell you. But the bit for husbands, it also says likewise. So like, what what are we likewising to? So this is a a longer section, um, like chapters two to four, uh, advice, uh, advice, guidance for... um, for, for Christians living in the world. So it's it's living in a godly way versus living um, for, for the world. And this, this verse comes in as, um, actually, I'll read the verse. It says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them at, with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. So um, actually, it, even in that phrase, You've got this mm. women are the weaker partner, and he just kind of drops that. But then he he says, actually, you're treating them as heirs with you, with the gracious gift of life. So so actually, Peter's Peter's saying like, uh, on a spiritual level, uh, we have the same we have the same inheritance, right? We have we have eternal life as Christians. Um, he's not differentiating them that way, mm. but he does drop that like weaker partner, and it that's just one example, right? Of um, how men are more prominent in the Bible. And there's also a, a distinction between men and women. So I don't know what you guys feel about that. What is up mm. with that? Men are more prominent in the Bible. Oh, wait, wait. We think we need to deal with the weaker vessel thing first. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Question. We're getting, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah. We're running the podcast now. <laughs> yeah, <fine. laughs> so, uh... <laughs> um, I think... I think my read, I read first Peter, I've read like the whole of first Peter today to just like see what I thought and like where I am in my reading today. Um, I think the likewises are really important to me. So like there's the likewise for the husbands and then there's another word likewise for the wives at the beginning of chapter three. And it goes back, I think, to the bit just before, which is about servants or slaves. I think it's really about slaves in that culture being subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. And so I think, like, long story short, we could, like, talk about this the whole session, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess my view is that that Peter is talking about, yeah, Christians living in a world which is broken, fallen, and full of... um, you know, full of institutions, things like family, which are good and like God given, but not perfect, or in some ways like very broken. And there's like injustice, injustice, yeah, injustice, um, abuse, like violation, like mm. trauma, and these things exist in in all of these institutions. Um, and so I would read it as, yeah, slaves, you might not be an ideal situation. You might be in much less than an ideal situation, but behave like this because, like it says earlier, like you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, mm-hmm. a, ro- a holy nation, a people of God's own possession. There's mm. like a big inheritance. So then that's how, I guess that's how I'd read, I'd read the bit for the wives. So like, wives, be subject to your own husbands, 
And then particularly, even if they aren't believers or if they don't act like believers, um, like you do this for God. And so actually, I, I when I read it this time, I was like, this is actually very empowering. Mm. Like Peter's kind mm. of giving agency to women. He's saying, you have a say in this. You can serve God and and like make change um, in your own way, in your household. And God values that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And it's also really consistent with like the Old Testament and, um, you know, it's not about the out- outside appearance or um, maybe your husband wants you as like quiet and a trophy wife. But actually, <laughs> you know, don't put on gold. Don't do it by braiding of hair, putting on gold jewelry, um, but let it be in the hidden person of the heart. And that's so God, like circumcision of the heart, like don't want your sacrifices, want your like actual heart worship, da 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 da. Um, cue sermon. <laughs> um, yeah, and then jumping to the one that Ben was talking about, the likewise husbands live with your wives in an understanding way. I would think like maybe it's similar again. Maybe it is about wives who aren't believers. Um, which would make, yeah, I don't know, what does weaker vessel even mean? He doesn't say, like, necessarily weaker person, um, but, like, vessel, like, pottery. Well, NIV says says partner. Um, I think, I don't know, shall we get, an, we should get an interlinear, that's what we need. Okay. What I find interesting is the phrase afterwards where it says, since they are heirs, heirs with you of the grace of mm, life. Yeah, and yeah. this is such a revolutionary idea in New Testament times, the idea that women would even inherit it anything hasn't really mm. happened apart from one time it's mentioned in the old testament when he had no one but daughters you know um and then they go okay we guess we'll have to work that out somehow um but normally all the inheritance goes through the men yeah in the bible um sort of patriarchal structure of of wealth um and when it comes to the imperishable when it comes to the gift of god when it comes to jesus when it comes to grace you are co-heirs Mm. and nothing else really matters so you know whatever weaker vessel mean is i think we we sometimes equate like differences in, in biological genders or or differences in personalities or in giftings or extrovert introvert etc you know whatever whatever dimension there is of our personhood we when, wherever we are weaker sometimes a little voice will come in and go yeah but you're not quite as valuable and that's always the you know, the, the accuser talking and saying, yeah, mm-hmm. but you can't speak as well. You can't do this as well. And I, I'm not going to do it just along gender because I think this happens with spiritual gifts and so on, which, you know, are directly addressed in the New Testament. But there's this sense of which the little voice goes, yeah, but you're not quite good enough, are you? I think, and that that just isn't true because it's literally in the same phrase. Mm. Mm. And yeah. whatever weaker means, it doesn't mean less valuable. Um, yeah. And wherever we are weak in our own personhood, um, you know, whatever God is working on, that doesn't mean that he loves you any less. And I don't know, maybe there'll be people who, who kind of need to hear that at this point. Um, mm. So, Ben, what's the interlinear Bible? Thing? Oh, well, so <laughs> this is not going to help help our discussion. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's this word skewioi, um, which means... Um, in Greek, which which means vessel or goods or article, and I don't think, I don't think that's helpful. <laughs> Objectification right there. Yeah. Or it's a metaphor. You know, there's lots of pottery metaphors in the Bible. Um, right, but then then he's just described women as as weaker ones in some way. 
But then I'm like, where is the, I don't understand what is the problem in that, because if men are stronger, mightier, had more power in that society and potentially in ours as well. Physical strength. Yeah, yeah. And there are biological differences, etc. Um, mm. But like the kingdom of God is about like the upside down kingdom is about like the mm. weak will, you know, the weak will be the strong and mm. the strong will be the weak ones and like the poor will be rich. So, like, even if it is saying, you know, somehow, definitively, in God's eyes, women are weaker, if that's some kind of eternal truth, which, caveat, I don't believe. But um, <laughs> that doesn't, yeah, it's like Anna was saying, does that say anything about women in the kingdom of God other than we're, like, very qualified to be the heirs? Yeah. You know, I, I really am... Um... I think there's, there's something there's there's something contextual about when we read obviously there when we read a, a um, letter that's two thousand years old, um, but I I think when you know when we're described as like sons of of um, of God, actually like what Anna was saying, that's that's a good example of how we're we're looking at the culture at the time and we're yeah. saying well actually. To be the firstborn son, they are the person that gets the the inheritance. They're the person that that gets everything. And then, when we're described that way in the New Testament, it's not that we're described as being male, but it's just using language which would make sense to people at the time. Does that make sense? Mm. So, so everyone's included in that. Also, also, just if I can interject another thing, notice that it, the way round the passage isn't. So it starts off with going, um, "Wives, be subject to your husbands," and then it has a load of detail explaining that which Gabby so wonderfully explained and then you have husbands show honor to the woman it doesn't say husbands make your wives submit mm. mm-hmm. and this is really yeah. important because i feel like our experience of hierarchy like you're saying Gabby is so fraught with the tendency for abuse and tyranny and and destruction and you know the there is a there is a lot of manipulation that goes on. There are a lot of unfortunate scenarios that go on. There's a, an awful lot of pain. And when I think people come into to church settings and they associate, you know, they're told that God is Father, they'll take quite a lot of baggage with them because people mm. aren't perfect. And all, every single instance, I think I can think of in the Bible. And do do help me out here, guys. That when you got a submit clause, it's either to one another. And it's always voluntary. Mm. It's like an exhortation to yeah to yeah. do that, and also Jesus submits to God to, fa- to, yeah. to God the Father, and He's not diminished by that. It's actually, His glory. Um, and it's a really interesting thought because it's like, well, Jesus doesn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. He's not like, oh no, I need to be equal with mm-hmm. you. I need to do this, and instead, He humbles Himself, and for that, He's exalted above everyone you know above everything and it's so so powerful and so in every relationship and i i'm you know this is so mind mind blowing i'm I'm still you know obviously digesting it myself (laughs) um but in every relationship you're called to take up your cross lay down your life and and be jesus regardless of the gender but you know in these relationships they're just models of that Mm. and it's not that you know our hierarchies in church or you know any leadership or with with parents and children or you know with with husbands and wives it's never you make someone submit to you it's always they elect to submit to you um and you honor them 
mm. um, from that place of leadership. Uh, wherever there is authority, there is always understanding. There is always love. It's really interesting. It is really interesting because I think I think people have said actually many times the husbands will look at what the wives aren't doing and the wives will look at what the husbands aren't doing. But actually, when the Bible addresses those wives, you just read what whatever it says to the wife. And likewise, you have to read as a husband whatever it says to the husband. Don't yeah. focus on the other party's instructions, but focus on what is instructed of you. And I think that would be helpful. Can I just say one thing? Just that there's like so much mystery. And I think it's great because we remember, just like you said, Ben, it's like reading WhatsApp messages 2,000 years later. Okay, <laughs> what the hell are they talking about? What is all, what are all the tier, yeah, these three letter acronyms? Um, but when it says to the wives, like, um, and you are Sarah's children, if you do good and don't fear anything that is frightening, it's like, what are you talking about? And then to the husbands, so that your prayers may not be hindered, what are you talking about? It just like it's always a good reminder to me because I feel like in all of these passages, like the one like in Ephesians or Timothy, then there's still a lot of mystery. Like we don't know what they were talking about specifically to this church. Yeah, definitely. But the main crux of it is is what then? Love your neighbour. <laughs> <laughs> and love God with all your heart, soul and mind. <laughs> oh you guys sorry girls well basically this is only like seven verses in a letter of six chapters or something five chapters Mm. so i mean maybe we should take it in context which is something that i always talk about because if you're reading this and you're really really like i don't know chivalrous um um you really look down on women you will see that women treat women as the weaker vessel, you will do that. You will take it completely out of context. That's why it's, I always talk about this. But here's the thing, though, because it says treat them with respect, and it, it's not respectful if you're mansplaining all the time, right? Like Ooh, it's not respectful if you if you're like, oh, here, lady, let me help you down the stairs because you can't do that yourself. That's not respecting people, is it? That's that's implying that 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 you're so weak and feeble that you can't do anything by yourself, right? Yeah, it's not giving dignity. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's like the as as a man, I guess that's that's the like tension because if we jumping back out of the Bible and back to like holding doors open and stuff, um, like I feel like if I want to or like paying for a meal, um, if I was on a date with my wife, uh, like sixteen years ago, um. I feel like I want to make her feel special uh, and so so would want to to do that kind of thing and that's not really about her being a woman as much as it's being someone that I want to show respect and honor to by being like hey let me do this thing for you I get that I get I get I think it's to do with the, the spirit in which it's intended isn't it like yeah. I think so often we get caught up with the gesture or the words that people use rather than what they mean. You know, you have those friends, they can insult you to their face with a glint in their eye and you know <laughs> that they love you to bits. <laughs> yeah. They, you know, they could have used all kinds of language and it almost doesn't even matter. And I feel like the same is true of, of some, you know, of, of, of the relationship. So, you know, hold a door open for a stranger, whatever, let's be nice to everybody. Um, but in terms of paying for a meal or the kind of 
help someone with a suitcase down the stairs or something. And it is also to do with your relationship with that person because you'll know with the look in their eye if, they, if they're looking down at you or if they're helping you out. Yeah. Mm. And, and I, I know we laughed it. when Anna said, you know, love your neighbour. I'm like, yeah, I mean, this is basically for what it is. The It's about relational health, like mm, relational health, relationship health, one of these phrases, um, and how to yeah, keep your relationship with God like pure and like lovely and to also be kind of attending to like the brokenness in our daily relationships as as much as possible I feel like that's yeah that's what I'm getting from our our conversation but here's okay doors aside opening doors for for women they always say that actually women need to be protected like it's not safe for a girl to walk down the street in the middle of the night. It's not safe. It's not safe to, you know, um, dress a certain way at a night because you're just asking for attention. Do you know what I mean? So like, because I have guy friends who who have no qualms with walking in the middle of the night, um, you know, around the block or whatever. Like they don't have any issues. But whether it's for me as a female walking down the street, I will look left and right and check and make sure that I'm fully aware of my surroundings. I don't feel safe. Um, you know, if someone's following me, I'd be really careful and all of this. But why why is that the case? Like I, I, I do think women have to develop quite early on, and it's quite sad. We we do develop an extra radar. Um uh, just like you say, you, you scan for danger, and it's. I think it's a physiological difference. Like the, you could just be attacked. Um, you know, my sister's walking home from work. Um, my mum and I looked at her and said, "Why on earth did you walk through the dark allotment late at night?" And she said, "Well, you know, I can't see anyone on the path. It's a short distance, and we went. Not worth it." Mm. And you, you're always thinking about keeping yourself safe because much as I'd like to believe that, you know, you have a Me Too movement and suddenly all sexual violence has gone from the world, it, that isn't the case. Um, and that won't be the case. And there will always be evil people of both genders, but um, one gender can probably do you more physical harm quickly. You know, the, they're more likely to be able to overpower you. And why is it that, <laughs> here's another one, uh, why is it that men are seen as more of the perpetrator than a woman? Like, like, so, so I remember watching this stand-up comedian how a, a woman can just go up to any child and and the mother of the child will be okay with, you know, you as a woman being like, oh, they're so cute. But if a man was to do that to a child, that's not okay. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's like, why is a male... Now it sounds like I'm attacking the males. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's true. But, it's true. I think we're we're more suspicious of men, and sometimes that has real, really damaging consequences. You know, mm. it used to be the case you you'd be quite happy knocking on someone's door or asking for help, or um, going in the good old days, um, or you you just approach someone and assume they would be, for want of a better word, a gentleman. Um, and we've lost the assumption of common good, I think, slightly, which is which is really sad. Um, do you think that's right, Gabby? It's it's really hard because we're we're just like generalizing though. Um, yeah, we are. <laughs> I have like a really specific example, which is like a counter counter example. Okay. So it's related to periods as well. You'll love this, Nancy. Uh-huh. So I was going for a walk at dusk, like uh, about a week ago, 
and I just started my period and like all fine but da 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 and then I had like the worst period pain I've ever had in my whole life it felt like someone was squeezing my room with like Mm -hmm. hands of iron and I could just feel all the blood rushing from my face my hands my toes I was going to faint so I just Mm. sat down like on the on the tarmac Mm. and and was just like, well, I just I have to wait. And I didn't have my phone on me because I like try not to. I try to go for a walk without any like devices or anything. I'm really close to home. Um, yeah. And being London, like three runners ran by, and like a couple of cars went by, but no one stopped. Um, and I eventually like managed to get enough of myself together that I rang like a doorbell just nearby, and a woman answered the door. And, you know, I asked for help. I asked if I could just use her phone. And she was, like, really suspicious and was like, oh, I am I need to, like, put my baby to bed, so I can't help you, but maybe you can just go next door. I was like, oh, I feel like the the person who was attacked in the Good Samaritan story, like, whoever that is. Um, and then there was a pub, actually. So I walked to the pub, and maybe because of chivalry or something, these guys, or maybe because they worked at a pub and were used to people, like, turning up in all sorts of states, um these two men on the door with their face masks they were like oh like let's get you hot water like you can use the phone like let's help you dial like who who are we going to call and they were just really lovely and like caring to me and yeah so I guess it's a counter example in the sense that I feel like the men were the ones who looked after me and I wasn't I didn't feel afraid because I was just in so much pain Uh um and I guess like public place etc but also that somehow I was, even though I'm very small and a woman, um, I was still like threatening in, in some way, or at least an inconvenience um, to, yeah, to to this woman. Um, maybe it'd have been even worse if I'd been like a big, big man or something. But I don't know. Yeah, it made me it made me think about about that perception actually. Interesting, because because to me it's. If I see a woman on the street and she's having an argument with the guy, I will look the girl in the eye to see if she needs help. And you know, when a woman looks at a woman, you you can give off that those eye contact vibes, and you'll you'll know to step in. And there have been times where, you know, I will try and make that eye contact to see if she needs help. Like, is she is she getting, you know, is she having an aggressive argument with with the guy? Is he getting violent, etc. But but usually, yeah. So far, I've not had to save anybody. Um, <laughs> it's but, worth, yeah, it's worth pointing out actually, just to just to interject at this point that there there is quite a lot of domestic violence against men in homes that goes on behind closed mm-hmm. doors. That's also true. Yes, manipulation. Yeah. You know, there there are a lot of coercive relationships out there that mm-hmm. may not be quite as obvious, and that and is harder to speak pain. up about. Yeah, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. people don't talk about it, and it's it's quite you know that's another serious issue so we don't want to is, imply yeah. in this discussion that it is all mm. one way because it definitely isn't mm-hmm. but yeah we don't know I, do, I don't know the context of any conversation right but but um I'm the type of woman who would help out another girl if I see you know if if a girl is walking down the street by herself and she looks scared like I would I would walk with her like that oh yeah I mean we would hope uh everyone would would step yeah. in if, if there was a a clear like mm, obvious situation where, where yeah um and i guess yeah there is on the side of guys there is like statistically it's more likely um that women that are hurt yeah 
that yeah that woman's going to be attacked by a man and vice versa and um like that and men men are i guess more can be more aggressive but that doesn't mean every man is so it doesn't mm. mean that yes yes, that, yes um that that we need to be i say we like i can't yeah i can't speak of you guys <laughs> yeah um but you know yeah it's not not everyone is like that um so it's it's just i guess you have to be aware and i guess that's that's something extra to to have to think about right but which yeah which i have obviously no experience of <laughs> it's 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 interesting in terms of a, a social issue though because i was reading a a book about about data and and women which you'd like actually gabby um mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, i think it's is it the caroline caroline Criado perez one? Oh, oh what's it called Invisible women. Invisible women. Yeah, yes. we've read the oh same my book. Goodness, you girls. This, you invited. Does this want to go in the show notes? Well, we yeah, it should do. It's about okay. gender data gap. Interesting. Right. It is. Link in the show notes. Stuff like if you're going to optimize a um, I would call it an air blo- airbag to deploy, you you are get, oh, you are right, accounting yeah. for the height of a human being. But if the height of a human being is assumed to be male, it's automatically more dangerous for women. Mm. It's going to inflate at the wrong height. Mm, wow! But that's a data problem. Or mm. if you design city centres so that they've got nice open spaces, but then a lot of little alleyways coming off it, women won't use it late at night unless you provide decent public transport. That mm. mm. you have to build that into the architecture. Yeah, really interesting book. Includes stuff like the queues for loos and all of those other things. Mm. It's it's really really good. Yeah, the, this was on um, an episode of 99% Invisible, uh, an actual real professional podcast. <laughs> the, you mean we're not the... getting paid? <laughs> well, you know, you can have whatever advertising. Hey, guys, <laughs> this is all for Jesus, yeah? <laughs> yeah, so so yeah, they were talking about this stuff. So we'll link to that, that episode if you want to listen to it. But it's crazy, just like so much of the world is designed specifically for men without even thinking about someone who isn't like whatever the average height of a man is, I don't know, 175 centimetres or whatever, and weighs whatever, 70 kilos, whatever, I don't know. Um, it's it's just mad that everything is designed around that. Well, not not so mad, but you, you can see very easily how that would happen. It's yeah. just a, an interesting conversation to have, to have around it because you, you don't really realise. Thanks, team, for um, being part of this so far. I think it's really good that we're actually having this discussion because I feel like we don't talk enough about this topic. Um, maybe we do amongst the girls, but it's good to also in- involve Ben, right? Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I'm learning is- so much. <laughs> Are you learning a lot, Ben? Yeah. Um, I'm learning that, that women really do like to talk about periods. We love talking <laughs> about periods. <laughs> yeah. And then you should read the Invisible Women book because it explains why. Because we're in so much pain, and no oh, one's yeah. doing anything about it. It sounds like it. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Normally we end our show with um, what have you learned, but we're going to save that because we've got so much content that we're going to split this over two episodes. Um, so I'm not going to ask you what have we learned just yet. Stick around for next week because we will be releasing a part two of this episode. Hopefully you have had some some thoughts about this. If you want to send us feedback, abside at thebcc.org.uk or you can send us um, feedback on social media or however you'd like to contact myself or MC. 
Special thanks to our guest speaker, Gabby, and also Anna. We'll hear more from them next week. Until next week, bye. <laughs>